0: Welcome to the Asylumics podcast. Uh, we just had some technical difficulties, so apologies if you join live and um, we're we're a little bit late. Um, we there, there is like some like funny noise going on in the background, but maybe that's just going to add to the entertainment. Um, maybe it can be like some sort of background music while this podcast goes on. I guess it's like a little maraca going on. Um, so you've got me, Raj. If you if you haven't got the pleasure of seeing who's on because you're you're listening it to this uh, just via Spotify or whatever. you got me, on You've got Aaron. Myers is going to join us a little bit later. But we've got a special guest. I mean, I think he's probably the only person to be on the show twice, which is amazing. Um, we've got Kish on, who was in the Palace End today. So I don't know how many other podcasts out there that have got, you know, like, you know, a couple of people from the Arsenal end, one person from the Palace End. I mean, you know, we, we've surely... um you know we, we, we're, we're surely top of the pile in that respect Kish how's it going my friend thank you for joining the podcast today
1: no no brilliant thank you for having me and like I said hopefully there's uh, no, no noise distortion and as I said to you all earlier before the game it's a uh, one it's a pleasure obviously to be asked to come back and obviously it's amazing that I'm on uh, your 101st one and obviously well done to get into 100 and um, I feel like the game, was a bit 101 for me. To be honest, it was a, wasn't 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 the best game. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm really happy to be on, and um, it was it was it was good to to see what the I was saying to you before. It was great to see the happiness <laughs> on at least three quarters of the, the stadium unravel, and it was um, yeah, well holding right. <laughs> um, yeah, my yeah, was brilliant in the
0: comments there. Yeah, no, it, it, and it'll be great to get your perspective, Kish, because obviously you know we've seen it from one perspective, not just as an Arsenal fan but you know as 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 fans of the north bank and obviously you're at the other end and like it was um it was an interesting game because when we were uh when we were in the pub afterwards trying to sort of analyze it it was a bit of a weird one to analyze but let's like get into it because today uh there was a lot we 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 did a podcast after our last premier league game and we tried to preview the palace game but since that podcast a lot's happened a lot happened to both our teams right arsenal went to the europa league thinking that we were probably going to win. Um, We didn't win. In fact, it was probably the worst case scenario where we went to extra time, penalties, lost, not just that, picked up a couple couple of injuries on the way. Tommy Asu in crutches, don't know when he'll be back. Saliba, undefined. Hopefully it's not too bad, but he's still out. So it's the worst kind of scenario that we had then. It was only a couple of days uh, ago. And then obviously Palace as well. Patrick Vieira's gone, and we'll get into that properly later. Um, But, you know, it was... It was a potential, you know, kind of murmuring that it could happen, but it was very hypothetical, but it happened. Paddy McCarthy came in um, to take over the side temporarily anyway. So all kinds of things going on from a Palace perspective as well. But I suppose in the end, Aaron, and I'll come to you first, you know, the, the prediction that you had on the game beforehand was that we would sort of win by a decent scoreline. And that was, I think, mainly predicated by the fact that Palace had have had some challenges recently, you know, they hadn't had any shots on target for three games coming into this one, and um, and obviously, we've been very good at home. But you know, in that respect, uh, did today offer you no surprises?
2: Uh, yeah, I was optimistic last week, but then honestly, if you'd asked me pre game, I was a bit concerned, and it was a lot better than I thought it would be because I thought after 120 minutes on Thursday. couple of injuries i thought and like legs being a bit kind of well players being a bit leggy it could have gone very wrong but actually like fair play to this team because they keep just doing what they need to do in the league and there's another game where we kind of expected to win and the players kind of just showed up won the game didn't mess about no real drama and we um move on fair play
0: it was that sort of game, wasn't it? Because it was, just, it was, it lacked drama. It lacked the kind of wins that we've been sort of uh, having fairly recently, like in terms of Bournemouth, for example. You know, this was this was very, very different. Kish, from a Palace perspective, um, you know, you, obviously you came into the game. We spoke before the pub, and you had some kind of interesting perspectives. But you know, again, it wasn't a game that you expected to win. But let's just talk about you know how you guys started the game or how the game played out at the beginning. And, and, and you know, I will kind of say, I really want to get into all the stuff that's happened at Palace over the last couple of days, and we will get onto that. But just as far as the game is concerned, mate, you know, what 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 did it... Did it start off like you thought it would under Paddy McCarthy? Uh,
1: no, not really, actually. To be honest, I thought I thought we'd be a bit more uh, front-footed with what we were trying to achieve in the game, but it became very clear very early on that Edouard wasn't up for being very good today, and that caused us all sorts of problems. I think, um, up front, we didn't have an outlook, But I think... Oddly, until you scored, it, it wasn't like you were, I mean, you had very good retention of the ball. And I, I was surprised that we weren't more in your face about things, partly because of what Aaron had mentioned before. You'd done 120 minutes. Yeah, you'd freshen the squad up a little. But, you know, we didn't really seize on the sort of um, maybe anxiety that it could have been at the at a game like this. And I thought, while we controlled our emotions pretty well as a, as a 10 in front of the keeper there still wasn't really any urgency to go out there and do anything I mean I was I was delighted that we had some chances obviously in that respect but I think up until the goal if we could if we could have gone in um you know one nil down at half time maybe that would have made a little difference but I think it was just it was a bit of a it almost felt I mean it was apt that George Graham came on at half time because it was very much defend as a team and you know try and just keep going keep going we had chances which were good and I think um, I mean, Edward again, he, I know it was flagged offside at the start, but if he puts that in and it is an offside, all of a sudden we've got something to protect. And we didn't defend terribly, but I think the pace of the game got to some of our players more than it did yours. I think that's um, kudos to, to yourselves and Arteta for freshening up team in, in a way that didn't seem to, you know, I had no idea you played on Thursday. At no point was I like, oh, you're starting to get tired. So from from our point of view, I felt, um you know bearing in mind we lost uh anderson in the warm-up as well which would have had a huge huge effect on the boys like you know i know i know one player doesn't make you but james tomkins is 34. uh he doesn't play very often for us uh when he does it's normally in a really awkward scenario and i'm sure he's thinking he was just going to come and have a nice day and relax and watch some good football and to then have to get you know 10 minutes and he, he really, he didn't actually play that badly. I don't even conceded four goals. But he wasn't really culpable for very many of them. And he played pretty well considering. But to lose arguably our best defender in the warm-up, which sums up our luck a little bit. But also, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too upset with the first half. But I think the way the goals then transpired, they, they were partly Arsenal being very good at, recycling possession and really making it work for them but also just our positioning again just always very lacklustre so um i was i was happy for the first half an hour um thinking actually you guys you know just taking your time and if we could have just kept frustrating you that perhaps um we could have carried that on to the second half but i think we just didn't have enough belief in our own ability
0: well, it's interesting parallels, you know, talking about the Tompkins thing. It's, it's very interesting parallels in that respect, right? Because um Wacky Manderson has been phenomenal for you guys this season, um, as has um William Saliba for us. So, you know, going into this game, uh, you know, you had to field Tompkins, which was, you know, very, very last minute. Um, and you know, obviously we had a little bit more, um, we had a little bit more to prepare with, but we ended up, you know, playing holding, which was very, very different to um, you know, this is for holding's first Premier League start, I guess, in, you know, however long. And interestingly, despite kind of the fact that, you know, we did have a decent amount of possession and, and you sort of referred to the chance that Edward missed, which was offside. But before that you guys had the best chance of the game where you hit the post. I mean, Aaron, and you remember that, 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 that was that, um, you know, I think uh, Zaha was cut, kind of cut, cut in from the left-hand side. Did Ben White, don't know why did Ben White didn't show him wide, but Ben White decided not to, he came in and it was a, a pretty decent shot that I think, you know, Ramsdale did pretty well to get down to, but then it bounces off the post and it could go anywhere, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was good. I don't know. Was that Zaha? I can't remember, but um it yeah, I can't remember. There's a couple. There's one where Ramsdale made a save and it was off and then it was offside. I don't think that was Zahar. And then that that was the second off, one that, 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 was that,
1: that, was, that was Edwards yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, that was Edward. And then the second one where it might have been Zaha then who uh kind of hit it and then it bounced off, I think Ramsdale's foot or something like that and then onto his back and then I don't know what happened um yeah look I think at the start we it was a bit it was even but actually Ramsdale's continue to do that thing where he just continues to make big saves in big moments and he goes under the radar a bit at just how many big saves he makes and even that that first one I wasn't sure it was offside when I first saw it but Ramsel. And he know. didn't have to make right? the save, so he, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. And when he made the save, he didn't know. And the referee, I mean the linesman obviously flags late, as is the kind of procedure nowadays, which is super annoying. But look, I think we we did what we had to do, and we kind of just we stayed in the game and everyone did their bit. Because look, without Saliva, we we were always going to con- concede a few chances here and there. And actually I think Rob Holding was pretty good all game, but generally like Ben White got done. And actually I thought Ben White had a really good game going forward, but there was, they create their moments and Palace have got the types of players who can in moments make any defense look average. Um, and I think Ramsdale just again, t- game, game after game, like I said before, just continues to make big saves and keeps us in those games. So that when the forward players do find their moments, they make them count. Kish, how different did you find Palace's setup today was versus,
0: say, what you would have expected it to be under Riviera?
1: I wouldn't say it was too dissimilar in terms of selection, because obviously we don't have a huge pool of players to pick from. But I think um, the, the the overriding feeling I had during and after the game especially was what what would it be? would we have lost 4-1 if Patrick Vieira was in charge? And my my general feeling is no, we wouldn't have. We might have lost 1-0 or maybe 2-1. Tactically, Paddy McCarvey didn't do very much differently. I think he sort of, he he let the boys express themselves a little bit more, let them be a bit more creative. But I don't know if that was partly because some of the more senior pros who played quite well, I think Wilf played quite well, um, they just decided that that was what they were going to do. I think it, it was a surreal sort of game for some things because I thought Stuart Atwell had a pretty poor game. I don't think he helped either team, but that might have been his way of, you know, refing. He's never been a great ref for me, and I thought he didn't give. He he was he let it be physical, but that didn't suit us. I think it suited Arsenal a bit more. Uh, but in general, tactically, I thought we were a bit. We were still very inflexible. I think the problem when you've got a midfield of Luka Milivojevic and De who who aren't the fastest, who aren't um, you know, most mobile, you do You do actually need to, you know, let let the game be sort of broken down. Um, and They were getting bullied and I think um, I'm surprised that uh, Luca started ahead of Will Hughes uh, because I thought he's a bit more flexible and mm. actually he could, you know, he could hold on to the ball. L- Luca at times did do a couple of okay things, but he, him as well as, again, you know, I talk about it a lot with Joel Ward, but I would have preferred to see Nathaniel Klein play because I think They've both just been very poor all season. So I was surprised to see them both playing today. And uh, I don't think under Vieira, and I will we'll get to it later, I don't think we lose 4-1, which le- which led me ultimately to wonder what the point of sacking him was really, because you know goal difference might play a key role for you and us going forward. And actually, I don't know how much confidence the boys can take from a 4-1 defeat in a derby. Um, So I was, um, but yeah, to to your initial point, I I think Paddy McCarthy, he he looked like he was paying lip service, I think, on the side. I don't think there was much coming from him in a a sort of coherent managerial way. I think it was more a case of the boys were going out there. And you could tell from about the 60th minute onwards that they they were just kind of doing what they wanted. Uh, You know, there wasn't any fluidity. The the subs weren't great. You know, I I, I left the game appreciating the fact that we, we, we lost a very good team. But that I don't think you ever got out of second gear, in my opinion. So I don't know how you all feel about it, but I, you know, for a team that just played 120 minutes, you know, we we let you obviously you were going to have possession of the ball, but you know, we didn't we didn't really make you work for that four one. That's what's weird about the game. You scored four goals. I can't think of many more chances, but you scored the, the chances that you were given, and yeah, that was it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, on that, Aaron, would you want to sort of answer that directly? Because what I was going to ask you is, you know, who. Do you think stood out from an Arsenal perspective, um, performance-wise? Because I, I, I do agree with that uh, with Kish's point. There, one of the things that I, comments I made to Mize during the game was that I was really annoyed in that first until we scored. I was really annoyed that we didn't test the keeper more, given you know this is a this is a kid, you know, and and bloody hell, like I didn't realize how, how small he was, like you know, until I saw him in real life. Like, and I I, I just kept I kept thinking, you know, because because obviously we're we're at the other end from where Arsenal was shooting um at the beginning and you know you see this figure of the keeper in the goal and I kept thinking if the ball goes in the top corner I swear he can't reach it like that that's what it looked like visually to me so I kept thinking why aren't we shooting more but but we didn't we we actually in fair maybe that's credit to palace like they sort of prevented us from being able to I guess having uh, have a lot of shots on goal um but anyway what, what did you think Aaron in terms of like sort of our kind of individual performances obviously uh Martinelli scored a a nice goal first up Saka's come away with two Granit Xhaka scored one, but who's uh, who for you played well for Arsenal today?
2: Oh, I think there was uh, quite a few really good performances. I thought Saka obviously two goals and assist. You can't take the headlines away from him, and he continues to be phenomenal. Odegaard again continues to be phenomenal. I think actually it's a, it's this entire team now where we've got this system that you know I've been praising time after time, which is Trossard up front in a sort of false nine-ish type role, just doing Trossard things and he just gets the best out of the players around him. And that allows Martinelli and Saka, compared to when Eddie and Nketiah was up front, to just get the best out of their games. And I thought Ben White had a really good game. I know we talked earlier on where he, he struggled a bit, but kind of second half especially, he really kind of imposed himself going forward I thought Zinchenko was good. I thought Shaka was good. I thought Partey maybe had a bit of a reserve game generally, but Partey's got such high standards that he can't, you know, he can't drop a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 every game. Honestly, I just think that this team now is so comfortable in this system that sometimes they don't, they're so confident now that they don't like have to force it anymore that actually they can kind of sit in third or fourth gear. And they know that eventually the chances will come and the goal will come. And as long as the defenders do their job and keep it tight at the back, all they have to do is be patient. And usually within 60, 70 minutes will be a goal or two up. And and that is kind of testament to the manager and the team and the players and kind of everyone around kind of just the whole procedure of how we approach games. It's not rushed. It's not panic. It's calm. And even though we have kind of had extra time on Thursday they still have the energy levels to just go and go again it's fair Kish you know we obviously have the luxury
0: of you going every week to see Arsenal you go to see Palace like you know most games home and away um I'd love to get you know your perspectives on what you saw from Arsenal today you know we have perspectives on on our expectations of the players we see them every week There is sometimes where I think we wonder whether are the players as bad as sometimes we make out to be at times or as good as sometimes we make out to be at times what Arsenal players today um stood out for you and did anyone surprise you seeing them live not as frequently as us did anyone did anyone play and did you think well there's a there's a, there's a he's a really good player
1: well, it's really funny because I was going to say Thomas Partey. I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> I thought, uh, I think well, I've seen him play him a couple of times before and he's not had great games. Um, and I really was impressed. But I mean, again, we didn't have a great midfield, but there was, I think there was a moment um, in the second half where it looked like he was—he just ripped through about three of our midfield. You know, I think uh, Decore and Schlup were trying to tackle him and he left them both looking like they'd been knocked out. And I was just thinking, he, he didn't break a sweat doing it. And I thought he, he looked very complete, as in very comfortable, um, and I take your points. So 'cause I've seen him play a bit this season, that he probably could have played better. But I think when he needed to play well, he needed he played well. Odegaard is the first time I've seen him play in a little while live when he's played really, really well. And again, I'd say that he was effortless. That's you know, he, he really wasn't trying that hard, I don't think. I don't think it was all very natural. And you can see a team very comfortable in their own skin. That's what, you know, I know people <laughs> other more confused fans have a DNA that they keep going on about and whatnot. But it feels like Arsenal building a DNA again, which is, which it seems to be very sort of effervescent through the players that um, one goes in, one comes out, everyone sort of seems to seamlessly fit in. Uh, I thought, I thought Gabriel had a very good game as well, and I thought I was I was watching Holding to see how he would cope, and I thought he had a good game. But I think the ref helped him have a good game in some instances. But regardless, I think um, Saka. I don't think Saka was trying that hard either. But anytime he wanted to, he, he really could turn on the burners, and it really caused us a lot of problems. But you know, watching Arsenal now, and I was I was speaking to the people on the way back, obviously because as you forewarn me, the queue in them uh, to get to Harvey and Islington. I was speaking to a lot of fans, and, and it, they weren't being mean or condescending, but they all, there's an expectancy now, which there might not have been, obviously, a couple of years ago when you were building towards it, that um, they were taking care of business. They just had to go there. We had to get the three points and then, you know, roll on and keep going. And that's what it felt like. It felt a very professional performance, actually, considering um, the emotional um thursday night you all would have had you know and obviously it's a squad it's not just those players who lose the whole team lost in theory so but no i was, I was really impressed in general i mean ramsdale there was a point i think i think it was like the the 85th minute and he just hoofed an edison s pass mm, i think i, I know think what was, you're like, talking about and you know, i was it. just thinking i was just like the whole time just give us a break mate like we i think we had a corner i think and we had no one back and it was just like and i just thought to myself that was very man city-esque obviously the way he did it but I've never seen his distribution. I've seen his shot saving before, because he's he's come a couple. of... but I've never seen him so comfortable with his distribution, and I was very impressed by that. And you know, you, you know, you had. I know you had your the Polish centre back come on and have his debut, and he he seemed to slot in well. But in, in general, there was. I think if you know, I don't even think Martinelli had a very good game. But when he was asked to score a goal, he scored a goal. You know, he cut in, you know, and one of the fans in our area was complaining that you thought the keeper could have saved it. And I just burst out laughing. I was like, Are you, you know, our keeper's like four foot five, but regardless, I didn't think he could save that. But anyone who, it was almost a case of anyone who felt that they needed to play their bit in increments did it. And that they tagged each other in, you know, Saka, you play well for 15, Martinelli. And it was very, you know, from that point of view, it was, you know, I felt like we could see all the problems and we were just powerless to stop it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's good perception. I want to talk, and, and firstly, welcome, Mice. Mice, thanks for joining, mate. Um, Hello, appreciate, appreciate it, man. um yeah. Long time no see. So it's been a few hours. um j- Just, just to to, to get back to, to where we were, I want to quickly before we start looking past this game because there's some brilliant things on the agenda today. I think I don't, okay, oh, Kish. I want to ask your perspective, and then maybe get the guys' perspective on two right wingers today. Yeah, so um, Bukayo Saka uh, at the end of the game there was an interview question that went to Mikel Arteta. Uh, One of the interviewers said, um, is he the best winger in the premier league right now? Um, and, and, uh, Arteta sort of dodged the question. Um, I want to ask you about him and I want to ask you about Michael Olise. Um, But just t- tell me what you, about Bukai Uh, you know, again, you know, we, we sort of been waxing lyrical about him, but at the same time, I think particularly on this podcast, we've been fairly um, cautious about hyping him up that much because actually we haven't won anything yet. He hasn't won anything on a personal level. And, you know, so to be talking about world class, you know, we've been very hesitant about that. But the question was fielded today about, is he the best wing in the Premier League right now? I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't. You as a Crystal Palace fan, um, and uh, uh, you know, and crucially, not an Arsenal fan. What do you think about that statement?
1: Uh, I mean it's, it's it's a big question to have anyone ask uh, to to a manager as well. But I think he's I think he's world class. I think he's a world class player. I think he could I think he could slot into most teams in the world because he's he seems to be a very smart boy. You know, he's only what is he, 21? He and he's already amassed what circa 20 England caps and you know paid it you know at Arsenal for he broke into the team very early and he's done really well. I, I look at himself as a thing, I remember when Wilf broke into the team. I remember all the fanfare, you know. For us, it's a much bigger deal, obviously, because you know we don't get that many good players coming through that often. And he's he's probably better than Wilf was at that age. And Wilf obviously got his move to Man United, but this is Saka today. Obviously, he was meant to be tired, and he's in know, but he's undroppable, isn't he? You, there's no way you're dropping Saka in the form or just the the, the confidence he plays with. And um, you know, I think the question he's arguably one of the best, if not the best in the league, but he's a world-class winger uh, which, if he carries on this trajectory and, you know, for you it's great if he does. I, I'm sure at some point in his career he'll, he'll want to go to one of those big Spanish teams or, uh, you know, because what he could easily play there. Like, you know, you look at, they, they do have a, a, a te- you know, sort of uh, a, a need sometimes for that type of flair in those leagues and he ha- has it in abundance he's very confident as well you know he doesn't seem to be phased by any of that stuff you know you look back to the way the stuff of the penalty against uh, Italy and all those things and he and he's carried it with you know again I think he is 21 right 22 he's ridiculously young still I'm sure um, and he's just taken it all in his stride and he's, and he's obviously been a brilliant player for you this season. And I think it helps that he's, you know, your experienced players are playing really, you know, I think Xhaka and a few of those guys, they, they seem to, everyone seems to be really level-headed and they've probably taken good care of him. And I think the re- reception he received from fans as well after, he, you know, he's very likeable, which helps, but he's, he's playing fun football. He looks like he he's enjoying playing. Um, And that he's got a very similar uh, prognosis to Wilf in the sense that he looks like, you know, he just likes playing football. He just wants to play. He wants to win. He likes to battle for everything. And, um, you know, just hope he can avoid getting a big injury or something. Because I know that's that's where it always went wrong for Wilf. You know, he wasn't always horrifically injury prone. But, you know, wingers, you know, they get injured, hammies, you know, stuff like that. You just got to keep him in cotton wool sometimes. But in the stage you're in, he has to play every game.
0: Agree. My's my, gonna to come to you because um, I know I said Olise as well, but I'm gonna go Olise and and Zaha for this question. You know, we talked a lot about um, wingers and the fact that you know, like uh, Kish just said, now Saka's is basically undroppable for Arsenal, and that's been a big bane. You know, when we worry about our squad management and worry about the idea of him getting injured, you know, we've been clamouring for the fact that we need a uh, someone who can play on that right wing. Today we had, um, you know, we got to see Olise play, who's been, you know, I think someone who's been touted as some uh, as someone who a lot of Arsenal fans really like the look of, and and Zaha, you know, he'd been linked with Arsenal in the past, et cetera, At the very different stages in their career, what do you think about both those guys, my Zaha and Olise, do you, and and do you would you have them at Arsenal?
3: Olise. Uh, Hi guys, by the way, apologies for being late. Um, yeah. So i say, yeah, I've liked what I've seen of Ola in the past. Um, but I think I've, I mean, look, I don't, as I say, with every kind of, uh, team other than Arsenal, I don't watch palace week in week out. So maybe I'm not kind of best qualified to, to sort of say what level he's at, but I feel like I've seen moments from him as opposed to like consistent performances. So I think if you watch highlights of Elisa, he looks really, really good. He looks like a very exciting player. Um, like a tricky winger, um, someone who's comfortable taking people on. And yeah, kind of similar to Saka in in what Kish was just saying, you know, like confident in his own ability. Um, But I just don't know if I've seen enough of it um, to really judge him properly, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, he's, I think a similar age, he's a similar age to Saka. Um, And so you kind of look at, I could be wrong on that, but you kind of look at the levels of both of those players, Elise against Saka. And, you know, Saka's miles ahead. And and I guess part of that is down to the team that Saka's playing for. But um, potentially he might be, you know, someone that we could look at. But I wonder if, you know, if we're looking kind of ahead to the transfer market and you're looking at where Arsenal strengthen on the assumption that we're, you know, a Champions League team next season – I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal go for someone more experienced just because that's what we seem to you know that's what we did in January to strengthen the squad in January in positions where we needed you know people that could come in players that could come in and do a job and were reliable and we knew what we were going to get f- from them for the next couple of seasons and especially this like 6 month period you know the running essentially and I wonder if there might be another player out there that we might look at I'm not I don't know who potentially but um there might be another player out there that we might look at that is, you know, a a player that's happy to be a squad player, like Kish was just saying, you know, Saka's pretty much undroppable, but just the guy that comes in for 10, 15 games or if, if Saka needs a rest. Um yeah. And on Is that Zaha?
0: Could Zaha be that guy?
3: Was that, I mean I so I've kind of championed for Zaha quite a bit over the last couple of years. I think we all have to be honest. I really I love Zaha. I, I really rate him and I, I, I don't think he had his best game today, but today wasn't sort of what to judge him on. Um, in terms of like, um, you know, as a game, but yeah, like he's been consistently a very good Premier League player for the last I don't know six seven years, whatever it is. Um, he's always scored goals. He's just like he gets you off your seat as well, which is what I love about him. And again, he's a player that's not scared of trying something different. And he's got output. He's got output at the end of the day, and he's done that for Palace. And he's been their main guy. Um, so I I would love to see Zaha in in the Arsenal squad, but I just wonder like. Has his like big move that has that time, you know, that, that window that you had for a big move, obviously. Yeah. He moved to United, came back to Palace, but has that window now passed? Cause I know he's not like old in the sense he's not over the hill or anything. I think he's what, 29, 30. I could, again, not sure. I'm kind of guessing here. Um, But I wonder if, you know, it feels like it might be a little bit of a, a gamble in some ways, but I guess, is he on a free this summer or next
1: mm. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is on a free. Yeah. yeah,
3: this summer. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, like for me, he would be he would be a great addition to for to Arsenal. And I think when was it last summer or last January we were looking. Yeah, it was last January when we didn't buy anyone, and obviously we we got pipped to fourth by Spurs. And I remember that January window. You know, Zaha was being linked, and he would have been an ideal person to come in again, kind of similar to what we've done with Trossard this this uh, this window. Um, and it obviously didn't happen um but yeah look I mean look, i yeah I, I I really do rate zaha I just wonder if maybe that that kind of opportunity for him has come and gone but you know who knows if he if he's on a free then um that's it i, I wouldn't say it's a necessarily a no-brainer but I can see he's definitely going to go to you know another big club or an, a premier League team if he if he wants to stay in the premier League so i could you know why not why not um can't see any reason why it wouldn't work to be honest but obviously he's predominantly Play, he's played out. He plays down the left, right. Um, I know he could probably play on the right, and I think for United he played on the right, if I remember right, if I remember correctly. But I don't know if he, is It. I mean, yeah. Again, Kish, you, you probably know better, right? Is he comfortable playing down? Yeah, yeah. He. Um,
1: I think he's. I think he's actually. He's really. He's. He's good on both flanks, um, and he's actually oddly half decent through the middle as well but with, with the the quality that you you'd have around him it would just make it a lot easier for him I think he's always had to play even if it's out of position in inverted commas it's always give him the ball anyway wherever he is so you know even if he was standing in centre midfield they'd give him the ball but he's got a lot of output on the left and he's you know he's pretty he's pretty two-footed when he wants to be but it's it's more that he likes to hunt the touch line you know and I don't think it matters to him left or right I don't think um, I think to your point, I think it's his destiny to play for Arsenal, I really do, because I think this will be the third time if you do try and get him in the summer that you would have tried to get him. And after the, the Pepe thing and after like I think he wants to play for Arsenal. I don't think he's making um I don't think he's making noises, but I know that he you know, he settled in London. You know, he he's obviously I think he supports Arsenal growing up as well. I think I think he would like Arsenal to sort of offer him a sort of squad role if you make the Champions League, because he would go. I think he would go and I think I would be happy for him. Um, you know, not to I don't mind where he goes per se, but, you know, he's done. he's been a great servant for the club. And I think we need to both agree that we have to get... For us to get better as a team, we need to figure out how to get better without him. And um, I think he'd do a great job with you guys. I think Elise is a little different because I think he's got much more room for manoeuvre. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was looking to leave soon as well. Because if we... And, and, and to your point about the comparison between him and Saka at age, I think he's a little younger. But... But I always heart back to Aaron Wan-Bissaka as an example. He went to play at Man United for Ole Solskjaer, who doesn't know how to coach players. He starts to play under 10 hard, who can coach players, and he actually looks good again. And I think Elise needs to be managed by someone who, like Arteta, like Pep, someone who will show him how to play the role they want him to play. Because right now at Palace, no one's doing that. You know, he's not going to get that from Roy Hodgson. He wasn't getting it from Vieira too much, but it was working you know, the next person isn't, you know, they have to be able to sit and coach a, play, a player into his potential. And you've been very fortunate, obviously, Arteta's been able to get the best out of Saka uh, and Martinelli and actually quite a few of your players for that. But um, we've just never been able to do that with some of our younger players, hence why it's never really, never looks like they're consistent because they're not getting coached correctly, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. M- moving on, Kish, to, um, <clears throat> we've, got, we've got a f- few more topics to cover. Uh, before I go on to just, Getting your thoughts on Vieira. I'm just going to talk a little bit now about um, what what today's result means for everyone, right? So now Arsenal are eight points clear at the top. Played a game o- over Man City. Um, Aaron and we're going into an international break now. I think uh, we 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 obviously come back after that international break and we play Leeds, but Man City play Liverpool at home just before. It's it's therefore one of those things where if Man City don't beat uh, Liverpool, then Arsenal and if Arsenal beat Leeds, that gap can extend to about 10 points. How do you feel right now in terms of the title race? How do you feel about Arsenal's prospects um, versus the
2: last time I asked you that question? Yeah, I'm still very uncertain because I still think you look at the way City are playing, especially now in the last couple of games they seem to have really clicked and, you know, sounds dumb, but they seem to have figured out how to play with Haaland and the team a bit more um, in the sense that he just seems so much more integral to the way City are playing at the moment. And then I think over the last couple of months, he kind of drifted in and out of games a bit. Um, And I do think City are capable of pretty much winning every single game. They'll go into every single game as favourites, even the game against us. And it's going to be tricky, but I think, look today, today's result for me was just like, I know we played well, but actually before that, I would have said, just get a win. It doesn't matter how well we play. This was one where you kind of push players and, you know, hypothetically, if Staliba had a 50% chance of being fit, I would have played him today just because I think to go into the, to have an opportunity to go into the international break with an eight point gap is huge because, yeah you know, the players can train they can go over their cl- countries knowing that there's a there's a big gap and then it will restart again in 2 weeks time with city having to play liverpool with an 8 point gap with, which is another psychological thing and if we hadn't got a win today i think the psychology of that city liverpool game and our game against leeds would, would leeds could potentially be very different So I think it was important. But actually, then, now that we got the win, I think you look at it and you actually say, what, is it five wins in a row now or even six in the league since we lost to City? Six. Um, Six. Six wins. And then we'll be, you know, be very, very confident of getting something against Leeds and getting a win there. And then it goes on to that tricky patch of fixtures with Liverpool. And then I think City to come in a few weeks after that. And look, I think... We as fans, we look at the table, you know, in the pub today, we started trying to work out where City will drop points and all that. But we've just got to get, we've just got to go game by game because I think the the worst thing we can do is actually turn this into a bit of a run-in and have have a run-in mentality of like watching what City do. We've gone so far this season, you know, being the underdogs, but also just going game by game and beating the teams that we have to beat and we just need to continue doing that yes it's going to get harder yes we're going to you know the teams that we have to beat are going to be liverpool soon it's going to be chelsea it's going to be newcastle and it would at one point be city but if we keep it with this game by game mentality i think we might just almost get there without having to worry about it if that makes sense yeah my um as Connor Baronon
0: said there's maybe a feeling that 's creeping that man City are now back on track with regards to playing with Harland with the amount of goals that he scored in the last few games. I think it's ridiculous that the numbers um but at the same time it's become quite clear that um well not become quite clear I think we've always felt that the Champions League is man city's priority they 're through they're playing Bayern Munich uh in in uh, I think a couple of weeks' time is it um it's a big tie for them it's a difficult game but you know you probably expect them to win how big do you think man city's champions league campaign um is gonna impact the title race yeah
3: massively well obviously i'm hoping it'll be it'll be uh it'll be a distraction for them but i think it's massive for them i think you know the the story around pep wanting to and needing to win the Champions League for City has has been there from from day one really and especially after you won the first Premier League title for them Um, it's always been about getting that first Champions League for City Um, and I'm sure he's he must be absolutely desperate to do it before he leaves Um, so this season could just be like if you're City now as of tonight let's say looking ahead to the next set of games and you look at who's you know you look at being eight points behind arsenal and you probably you know we we as arsenal fans have been really kind of cautious right and we're still cautious now we're still like oh are we gonna you know where are we gonna go to anfield and get smashed or are we gonna, you know we're we gonna drop points there and like aaron and just said you know we go to city we go to go to the etihad and we're probably not going to be going there as favorites but like, if you're City, if you're sitting in City shoes, they're probably looking at it thinking bloody hell, Arsenal just played 100. I don't know if you guys mentioned this before, you know, before I joined, but Arsenal just played, you know, extra time against Lisbon, went out disappointingly um, just on Thursday night, and they were able to brush themselves down, go again, you know, pretty much were able to pick a full strength team minus Saliba, but, you know, a lot of those players played the majority of that game on Thursday um, and were able to put in a performance like that where it wasn't, you know, it was, I don't want to say it was comfortable as such, but it was a pretty solid performance. And, you know, there weren't too many hairy moments, I guess you could say. Like, we controlled the game quite well, I thought. And if you're City, you must be looking at it thinking, shit, like, you know, these guys, are you know, they're they're serious. And I think we've done that every time there's been a setback. We've come back from that setback, you know. And, you know, like Aaron just said, six wins on the bounce since the City defeat that is seriously impressive so i think pep might be looking at it and thinking you know this you know arsenal might just be too good for them this season like we might just be too good for city this season look maybe i'm maybe i'm getting a bit ahead of myself but based on what i've seen so far the first what 28 games um i have no i have no i'm not saying we're going to win the league but i have no reason to sort of doubt this arsenal team if you know what i mean Mm. and i think can i
1: can, can i can i say that you're going to win the league am i allowed to say that
3: well I was I mean we were naturally gonna evolve onto you, mate. So if my if Mize is
0: done, if Mize has no closing comments, I'd wanna know what um you know the non-Arsenal fan thinks.
1: I, I genuinely think you know, I know you're you've got to tread carefully with some of you know your your emotions. Obviously, you've seen a lot of the, I mean I think you're in a cracking position. Not because of the way the eight points are set out, but even the fixtures I think are quite kind for you when you think that you've got to play a West Ham team that all have their eyes on Europe and you know. You've got to play Chelsea, who might still be in in Europe. Man City, who might will be in Europe. Brighton, who I think will have an FA Cup semi final around that time, uh, as well. I think you've might you might have just really got very fortunate with that as well. But based on the, we joked about earlier about the happiness, but you're, you, I think you should sort of not worry so much about what Man City are doing because I don't know that they're worried so much about what you're doing. I think you guys are, you've got to where you've got to by not thinking about what Man City are doing, but you playing your football and playing it well and you know being very interchangeable. And I, I really I, I don't I know you're not gonna be delighted by me to say this, but I think it's yours to throw away now. I really do. It's ten games to go. There are six games which are eminently winnable when you've got Southampton, Leeds, I think you've got Wolves, Forest. I mean, you, you would expect here, you don't need me to say, you'd expect 12 points from that. That leaves six, what, five games left and out of those one of them is one of your biggest rivals. Don't lose there, and you probably win the league. I think you know. I, I mean, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Maybe um, around February, when things were start to shift, I think when when City overtook you, I can't remember when that was. I started to think, oh, actually. But this narrative that City, you know, know how to win all this bollocks. I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? You're eight points clear, and you've got good fixtures, and I think I think you'll win the league now. Really, but not not because you beat us four one, I should say, but in general, the feeling is that. You know, not, and it's not a comparative to Leicester either, because I think your team's obviously of, of higher quality than theirs was when they won the league. Um, but I, th- I think City have left themselves too much to do. I mean, Harlow can score a million goals. It doesn't matter. You're still winning games. You know, <laughs> he can score till he's blue in the face. You keep doing what you're doing and you'll win the league, I think. So, um, you know, I think. You I make think it sounds to... so easy, mate. <clears throat> no, but I think this is the point of, of the season where, you know, when I've got no skin in the game in that sense, you know, when I look at it objectively, I just think if you keep playing the way you have been playing all season then you'll win the league now there's no there's no there's no reason why Arsenal will come back I mean I hope not for your sake but you'll come back from the international break and forget how you've played the 28 games and then implode like, don't do that and then you'll win the league I think
0: I mean yeah <laughs> it's like it is obviously we we we're, we're trying to be very cautious about it and also because I think we remember very um you know it's very raw still. How last season, the end of last season, kind of ended up transpiring, you know, and it was just oh, uh, well, the
1: Spurs thing,
0: yeah, like the whole, yeah, been, that 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 kind of that that running where you know to, it was ours.
1: You've got to go to St James's Park again as well. I feel you're going to banish a few demons as well on the way to winning the league as well because this this team isn't the same as it was last year. You're mentally no, no. stronger. It seems. It seems that Arteta is much more aware of what he needs to do. The players have got the experience. It seems of that pain at White Hart Lane last year and St James's part, Park, you know, you, you've you've really come on leading, more than I thought you could do in the space of, you know, the sort of drop-off from last season, which obviously there was a lot of things that went wrong for that, you know, the COVID stuff and all. It's neither here nor there, but you've learned a lot. There hasn't been any excuses when you've lost, I don't think. And I think when you've won, you haven't been particularly overzealous about it either. So I think... You know, it's probably good for football if you win if you win the league and Man City have to rethink their strategy a little bit more. I I do think Man City will win the Champions League though, so I think for them, you know, they'll win something. But I think I think the league's yours now. I really do.
0: If they win the Champions League, they won't care about the Premier League, Um, will they? Really, if they miss out on it? Um, Just looking, looking now to Crystal Palace, Kish, because you know we are as Arsenal fans, you know, hugely kind of. hugely fond of Patrick Vieira and uh, yeah, club captain, club legend, more than captain's legend. And obviously he's lost his job at Palace. I'm going to kind of just, you know, in in a fairly open-ended way, kind of however you want to talk about it. If we just look at the league table as well, right? You've basically got a situation where you've got the first two teams and then you've basically got a chunk of teams going down from 3rd to um 11th that basically have about you know 10 12 points between them and then basically there's like a 11 point drop off between Aston Villa at 11th and Crystal Palace and then it's basically 12th to 20th are all in like a tight 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 grouping Palace at the top with 27 points Southampton at the bottom with 23 that's mental how tight that is and i mean credit credit to Palace in some respects you know, you've got the worst form in the Premier League, having lost four in a row and drawing the one before that. I think Leicester have also lost four out of the last five, but at least they they drew their last game. So, in terms of strictly speaking, form wise, it's it, it's you guys. It's you know, in the in the problem seat, if you like. But you're still top of that little pack. Um, now, can can you just tell me a little bit about how you feel about, I suppose, what's happening in the league? And and you know Patrick Vieira's you know sacking as a result. And guys, what I would you know love to do is you know please feel free for you two to also jump in and ask Kish questions about this, um and, and not just me. I mean Kish, go for it. The league situation, sacking Vieira. T- tell us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think obviously it's it's a lot it's a lot more pertinent after losing four one to you all because. Um, I think it, it doesn't look like a good decision in the short term to sack a manager and then go and lose four. Well, that's I think that's our second biggest defeat of the season behind the other North London team, no less, um, which is really annoying. Um, but but it, it seems a more confusing decision to see him be sacked on the Thursday uh, and then us go and play you know the best team in the league on the Sunday, having spent all week probably planning for it. I think I think he has a right to feel hard done by. And I think, despite the performances not being great and they're not not seeming to be a great plan, um, the plan he had, even though it wasn't great, it was better than the plan I saw today, which was poor, uh, to say the least, and the execution poorer. Um, We've obviously set a very low bar in the last three or four games in terms of our um, output through through um, our shots not being on target and so on. So you know, lots of the fans around me were were considering a goal as a, as an achievement, which which is of course not that is not an achievement in any way whatsoever because we lost four one. You know, you know the the fact that you know that we scored is, is irrelevant really. I think Fiera should feel that. I mean, he's very very liked at the club, and I, when you were singing, I think it must have been from the seventy fifth minute onwards, um, when you were singing about Patrick Fiera, I think there was only about four or five fans around me in the Palace End who were sort of like, no, you know, we, we, we were better off without him. But the rest of them, no one else was, you know, everyone was very like, well, you know, we probably shouldn't have really got rid of him before this is the the nonsense we were going to have watch. Um, and it, and it, it really was, it's such a good, it was a good feeling higher for us at the time. And he was very unfortunate that he overachieved somewhat last year. We played some really nice stuff last year and it was really cool to watch it working and I think he's probably been dealt a really bad hand by the chairman and, and the club in general with the recruitment but also that he hasn't been given the time to I think we were always due a transition, again we we're we losing another 10 players in the summer, I think 7 or 8 out of contract and I think the chairman really wanted him to get to the end of the season and give him some money and give him some some newfound hope that we could do what we did in the first season again because it's not as easy as you know, everyone figured us out this season. We didn't have Conor Gallagher. We didn't have a few other players. Fine. But I think he would be watching that game today and probably being really upset that he couldn't have, you know, if we were going to lose 1-0, then fine, you know, we'll live to fight another day. But no team in the league needs Easter more than we do. Like, that's the only thing I was thinking of Leaving the stadium. I'm so glad we're not playing for 10 days because we look lost, absolutely lost. It was... um. It it was
0: it was tough i think um you know seeing you guys out there today in in the from the perspective that it really did feel like it was a case where you kind of probably had a basic game plan at first but then after that what well, there wasn't really you know kind of the coach or the identity to try and kind of do something um but, but how do you feel mate like you know where you are in the table right now and the situation there's been links with roy hodgson um to to come in and just I don't know whether that's just purely from his experience to try and kind of keep you safe. Or like, you know, I guess you know, a lot of the critic the critics around the sacking of Vieira have kind of pointed to the fact that actually you've got a quite decent set of fixtures coming up now. And actually maybe if it Vieira was still there he would have been able to navigate it through just fine. I mean, how do you feel? Are you worried, mate, about about
1: relegation? Uh, I'm, I'm always worried about relegation. I won't lie to you. Every season, I've told I joke about this with you, obviously, but every year I'm always I'm, I, I, I keep an eye on the championship every year because I'm always assuming we're going to go back there at some point. Uh, no, I don't know that the the fixtures being favourable after the break is 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 something you could lean on because we haven't won a game all year. <laughs> you know, a, a team who hasn't won a game all year can't be like, oh yeah, we've got some good fixtures coming. I think I think we're lucky that for somehow we've been 12 for four months that's insane we've not we've not moved from 12 in four months and that's testament to the poor teams below us but the problem is that the poor teams have all made their moves now Everton have done Dyche Leeds have gone in Southampton have done their bit Wolves have got Leopard. They, they've all done their thing to you know renovate their squad so to speak I, I think my heart back to it but as a Palace fan who's seen a lot of the things gone by I don't really know what people expect palace to be now going forward if we're just going to be a club that is content with being a mid-table team then we had the right manager for it we had someone who at least was going to try and get us to a point where we were going to at least play nice football and try and do that if we're going to go back to having managers who are firefighters or who are short termers and then this is just going to be really frustrating for the you know we've been here for 10 years and we've had some really bad managers Vieira was the dawn of a positive feeling at the club which is which is really interesting that it's it's gone as quick as it came in that sense like the, the, the even the singing and everything today it felt flat from our side because mm-hmm. i think we all felt that we don't know what we're doing like you know normally it's really strange but normally when we sack a manager and we get one of the classics in we have a plan it's, it's not a good plan but we have a plan so Today felt very much like does anyone know what we're doing and i don't know that I mean, I am worried about relegation because obviously with three points off bottom, you know, all it takes is, you know, Leeds to go and beat you somehow or Southampton to get a result and then we're, we're bottom of the league, you know, and nobody wants to be bottom, you know, at any point in the season, but not not this close as well. And being this form we're in, uh, I think I am worried, but I would also sort of say that we've got we've got some good players and I do think that those players need to probably reflect a little harder over this period and consider themselves, you know, because I think what what was really frustrating today was a lot of players thought they're better than they are, that they were actually going to just, in general, the last sort of two or three months that we're going to get ourselves out of this and it's not happening, you know. We're still very dependent on Wilf and we're still very unsure of ourselves um, in a final third, but manager-wise, Roy Hodgson, you know, it doesn't really matter who it is, really. They need to to get this squad believing again that they can at least get another four wins because I think that's what it will take. I think we're on 27 points. And I think if we can get another twelve points, I think that would be enough. We've got four, four out of the next ten. We've got Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Forest, Wolves. We need to win four of those ten games, you know, and then, and then, then we can start thinking about the next steps. But, um, but yeah, I think you know, to the initial points, I am worried about relegation. I, but I'm also not afraid of it. Like I've, I've been, sadly, I've, you know, I joked about it with you guys again earlier. But when we got relegated last time, we was, I was stuck in the championship for eight years. You know, like eight seasons of the championship. It was just horrific. And, you know, but I've seen it. It's in my recent memory. Um, so yeah, I always expect us to go down at some point. But I'd hate to go down on a season like this where we've not, we've just not done anything. We've been, you know, it's almost like we've been relegated by default. We'd probably be the only team to have been 12th for as long as we have and then finish 20th somehow. It'd be hilarious, but also annoying. <laughs>
0: Miles, can you see Patrick Vieira um, getting another job in the Premier League anytime soon after this?
3: Probably, because, I mean, Premier League managers, you know, I think everyone's set now for the rest of this season, but it won't be long before people start making changes in the summer and then obviously there'll be a few teams that will have bad starts at the start of next season and Premier League managers seem to get axed pretty quickly and there seems to be a bit of a merry-go-round. So, I mean, I think so. I think he's... I, I quite liked Patrick Vieira at City. Um, uh, sorry, at City at Palace. Um, like Kish was saying, he had a really good start. Maybe overachieved last season, um, and maybe that was his downfall. Um, and sometimes, once it goes bad, it's quite hard to get back. And I think that's maybe just what happened with with Vieira. Um, but everything that I've I saw in regards to like his relationship with the club, his relationship with the players. Um, like you see stuff on social media, it felt like he was a good match for Palace and the players really, really liked him and they really wanted to do well under him. Um, so I think, you know, it sounds, it seems like he's probably got the the capabilities to go and manage another Premier League team. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see like who, where the vacancies might be come, let's say, you know, September, October, um, later on in the year, because obviously, yeah, loads of teams are going to be starting to change, change their managers. I'm not sure. So, but I don't know. Like, if you, if you're, if the question was leading to a, you know, potential future Arsenal manager, I don't know if that's where the question was leading. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. In all honesty, a long way. He would be yeah. a long way off
1: that, wouldn't it? Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. He, he'll be. He'll, he'll be. Because.
3: Because he. Because well. <laughs> he was being touted as a potential. I think when Emery was yeah. it when Emery left, or maybe before before we got Emery in. I think he was being touted as a potential option. Um. Similar to Arteta in a way, you know, quite inexperienced, and obviously it's worked up to now with Arteta. But yeah, like I agree, I think I think I think he's quite quite a way off him managing but Arsenal the, the, or a the, club like Arsenal. The
1: the difference with that for me would be that your board—I don't know how you feel about them—be interesting actually. But you you went through the tough times, you know, the eighth and the eighth. you really had to want to stick with Arteta. There was, I think, there was a point a couple of years ago where you lost four or five in a row, or even your, the start to last. There were you had you probably had a couple of opportunities to sack him i think and no one would have thought back but they stuck with him and he stuck with you and i, I think it's paid off i think that was i think i i'm surprised that from our point of view we just we've put all this time in we should have i think we should have given him to the end of the season and if we'd got yeah. relegated we'd be relegated and if we'd you know but i you know i think it, it it takes a brave you know hierarchy to stick with it i mean i know you've got edu helping as well and stuff but it, it's testament to that i think that that also feeds into how i feel about our future
3: mm. I feel like they're just never back to the era as well in terms of like you touched on it as well Kish right in the transfer market like I feel like you know if you're going to stay up in the Premier League or you're going to be successful in the Premier League you especially the kind of mid-table or lower down the table you need a player who's going to score you goals and I don't think Palace have really got that like if Zaha's not scoring goals who's scoring your goals and like that was never really addressed like Edouard was probably the guy that you guys were looking towards us as, as that player, but it hasn't really happened for him. And then you're looking at like IU, um, who's like, I think Raj said he scored like, what was the stat? Three goals in... It's,
0: it's ridiculous. It's like a much, much lower amount of... Because I mean, you probably know more, I think. But he, he, it's something like really random. Like I think he averages a goal a season or something like this.
1: Um, yeah, well, he definitely didn't have a very good last year, but there was a couple of years ago, he scored like... 16 for us or something ridiculous but he's been played our position a lot of his time and your point your point's valid like we haven't got we haven't got the depth in squad, which is very apparent that we're playing four or five players that I'm sure played for us in the championship um and on top of that you know if we're not scoring goals you're not creating chances uh but regardless of that I think Vieira was he was dealt bad hand with player recruitment but we've shown as a club that we don't really want to invest unless half our team's out of contract and that's why I thought we'll the other half of our team being have contract this summer that we probably are going to reinvest. And it would have just been so much nicer if it was Vieira doing it because he's already done the first phase of that. The next person coming in, whoever it is, is going to have different ideas. You might not even like the first phase of people Vieira got in and we're going to be back to where we started. And I just think... It, they've pulled the trigger just a little bit early. I, I mean, I've said it a couple of times. I've, I've changed my mind a couple of times this week, but I've actually landed on the position that if they were going to get rid of him anyway, and it sounded like there was already some confusion as to what he was going to do at the end of the year, then he would have been the best person to try and keep us up. I, I was thinking about this just before I came on. Who I, I want Patrick Vieira back, I think, because I think actually the easiest thing to do is give the squad was still playing for him. You're right. And we were very unlucky against Brentford and we'd looked, drawn games. We'd, we'd gone tight against United and Chelsea and a few other things. But We needed a bit more firepower, but you know, after today's performance, you know, we really need to we need to come up with a solution quicker than it seems that we got rid of him. To close out the show, can we talk about
0: Tottenham for a little while? Because it (laughs) has been um maybe there's people who've been tuning in just for this. So people have been waiting fifty-six minutes for us to actually talk about Tottenham. Um look, some people are calling it the most explosive interview by a manager in, you know, kind of Premier League history. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's certainly um, pretty shocking. You know, Antonio Conte has basically come out the other day, Um, you know, after they've, well, the other day, yesterday, after they've, um, you know, thrown away a 3-1 lead away at bottom team Southampton. It's um, a 3-3 three, three, three draw in the end. And he's basically exploded. And he's, he's effectively said that, um, the players have no real desire they're used to not having to play for anything maybe this is what they're like it's not surprising given Tottenham haven't won anything for 20 years um you've got to look at the owners and effectively said well you know they could sack me but if they sack me it wouldn't be any different any other manager is going to have the same problem they still won't win anything he's basically said words to all that kind of effect I, I, I'm I heard that apparently today he's come out and clarified that actually he He meant all his criticisms at the players and it wasn't at the board. Um, so I don't know if some conversations have happened internally and he's had to come out and clarify that. But um, I mean, Aaron and like tell me, like it's weird because Tottenham are fourth, so they're not actually doing that badly. Um, actually, even if you look at form-wise, out of their last like five games, I think they've won three. Um, so it's not, it's not even like they've been that bad over the last yeah, they've won three out of their last five. Uh, only lost one out of their last five. But, you know, he's he's come out swinging, absolutely swinging, taking everyone down with him. What do you think? What's the situation with Conte and what's the situation at Tottenham?
2: I think it's... it's. I mean, nobody's surprised, right? when Spurs got Conte in, everyone saw this coming, right? Nobody said this is going to be... Uh, like, we, we've seen it. He did it at Chelsea, did it at Milan. He, he just... Eventually, he just throws his toys out the pram and then he tries to get himself the sack, but it's still really bloody funny just to watch. Cause I think, I really hope he stays for like the next five years and just gradually, like just that stadium collapses and he just rips the whole thing apart. Like, uh, not to clarify, the stadium collapses not when, it, when there's anyone in it, like not wishing any injuries or anything like that. <laughs> um, like he just like everything just go backwards forever. Um <laughs> And I think with Tottenham, but right? he's not going to be there for five years, though, is he? Because he's contract's he up at there. the end of the season, apparently. I think he's got an op- option for extension. I hope Daniel Levy just to pissed him off, just extends it just to he's wind up, him up. He's off, mate. obviously. Yeah,
3: he's not, he's not staying. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah, if he yeah. left tomorrow, right? So
2: he's definitely not going to be there. Next and he, yeah, and which is a shame because it is really funny. And, um, but I mean, the thing with Tottenham is that. <laughs> I think the problem is like Spurs for some reason over the last five or six years have just got this delusion that they they have to be better than what they're doing now. Like they've consistently finished fourth, fifth, or in or around there, um, and for some reason that isn't good enough for Tottenham fans. And I'm just like, like, where have you got this impression from? Like, where have you got this impression from that Spurs should be higher than fourth in the table? Like, based on what logic? Because they haven't won a trophy for God knows how long. They're not going to win the league. They're probably never going to win the league in their history. So, like, what like, what more do they want? Like, they, like, they want to win an FA Cup. An FA Cup is a bit of a lottery. Every Cup is a bit of a lottery. Like, what more do they actually want, right? And the only reason I can think of that Spurs fans are so annoyed this season is because of us. I think it's pure... If we were sixth, Spurs fans would be delighted. Right. Last season they were lingering around sixth or fifth, thinking they had a brilliant season because they just pipped us because we bottled fourth. And they were thinking this is the best season we've had in years. Um, but actually they've been pretty average for the last five, six years, in my opinion. And the only reason that you know they're the only reason that they're throwing the toys out of the pram now is because we've finally got our act together. But in history, like if you in in really like in real talk, like we we should have been above them the last three or four years, but we messed that up. So it's. Uh, I don't. Know, what what do they want? Like what? I mean, what oh,
3: what is success for Tottenham? It's interesting, Aaron, because like I agree with what you say. Like obviously, the like it's it's kind of been similar for Arsenal in some ways, right? When Arsenal the last few years, when we've been pretty bad, you still look at you still kind of hope that we finish above Spurs because it gives you that tiny little bit of joy, even if Arsenal are crap, we're still. Spurs are even worse and that hasn't really happened, obviously, but I think, I think if you're a Tottenham fan, it's quite interesting because I think there's so many different like scales of Tottenham fans and like, we were talking <laughs> about this before the game, but like people that I know who are Spurs fans, they're generally quite like grounded and level, like, level-headed, let's say, um, their expectation is they just want to win a trophy. They just want to experience that feeling probably before they die, <laughs> uh, just at least once in their lifetime, you know, what is it like to actually win, you know, some silverware, um, but I think, um, like, if you look at kind of how their season's panned out the last few weeks, you know, that Milan, that second leg against Milan was awful. I mean, I didn't watch the whole game, but, you know, it was like they, it was considering they needed to, you know, obviously needed a result and they were at home. It was, it was pathetic, to be honest. And then they, and then they had the, and they went out to Sheffield United in the cup again. Like, you know, I think it's more, it's more like they've, They've probably put themselves in a half decent position, you know, going into like the end of the season to maybe maybe not win the cup, maybe not win the Champions League, obviously, but at least progress in those competitions to the latter stages and see what happens whilst kind of maintaining a, you know, yeah, a top four position. And then arguably that's something to build on for next season. But it, I think for them, it probably feels like it's the same old again where they're ending the season trophyless. And even though they're sitting in fourth at the moment, I think the teams below them have all got like plenty of games in hand where they could easily be sixth or seventh because I think it's Newcastle have got a couple Liverpool have got a couple of games in hand and Brighton have got a few as well so I think if all of those teams win all of their games then Spurs could you know potentially be dropping into you know like not mid-table but yeah seventh seventh position so uh, yeah I mean the Conte thing is hilarious but I feel like you say that was always coming. Like he had an outburst, I think last, I think it was must have been last season. They lost to Burnley um, and post match, he absolutely lost it. And he started just like going for everyone in his path. But they won games after that, didn't they? And then they won games and obviously came back. Yeah. But um, like, I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think most Spurs fans I know, they just want to, they just want to win a trophy. Um, but I think naturally they, you know, the comparisons with us or, you know, the, the, the levels for them is as aaron has said you know if they can do better than us then that's you know that's uh, that's something that they look at but i don't know man like i think it must be even harder for them the fact that we're top of the league right it must be so hard for them to see what they're doing and they're really not going anywhere at the moment and arsenal are kind of been flying for the last 12 months or so so it must be pretty hard but yeah i mean look we're all here to enjoy it aren't we as long as it lasts as long as possible hopefully
0: Kiss it all noise I, I, from your perspective. Like, as in, what, 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 where is all the angst coming from? Is it, is it? Validated? Spurs?
1: Well, no, I don't think it is. I think Spurs fans don't know how good they've had it, and you know, I know every Spurs fan will tell me about the time they were in the FA Cup in ninety-one or whatever, and, and I'll completely tell them I don't care. But the, I think in general, Levy's done a good job getting them from where they where they were to where he is in his tenure, and he's made them an actual sustainable. Club with a brilliant stadium. Of they all want him impressive. out. They really want yeah, him out. But they, I mean, Spurs fans genuinely haven't had it as good as they really haven't. You know, if you if you told them 15 or 10 years ago that your last two or three managers would be Mourinho, Conte, you'd be in a Champions League final, I mean, they, you, Carrie Kane would be their all time top goalscorer. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know. I, and it's weird that they're so invested in Arsenal because it's weird for me because obviously Palace's rivals historically are. Mirrors and Charlton and stuff, but I don't care enough to like constantly be looking for their results and wishing they're like complete freefall, you know, like and quite why they they need to get their own house in order. And what Spurs fans should really look to is, you know, this this idea that they need to be validated by being better than Arsenal. They need to sort themselves out. Well, I had fans around me today talking about Arsenal, and so, I said, "Well, why do you care what Arsenal do? We're losing four one. We need to worry about what we're doing." And I think Spurs fans can't. You know, I think Conte is fed up and he wants out. He's got about 50 million in the bank from Chelsea and multiple brilliant sackings he's had. Quite why he needs this in his life. He's had a very bad year, you know, on it personally, on a personal, you can see he's been unwell, his friends have passed away. He doesn't need this. Quite why he just won't walk away is beyond me. Like, I, I think he's either a real lover of pain and enjoys this or genuinely believes that Daniel Levy is going to wake up tomorrow and say, Do you know what, actually, I am going to give you 100 million. Go and get these guys. Let's go for it. Otherwise, why would he keep coming back for this nonsense? Because he's won trophies. He knows how to win things. He said it himself. He doesn't do seventh, eighth. He doesn't do this. So, why is he still there? He should go. I mean, he should. I genuinely think he should have a bit more self respect because you can call out the fans and the board, but they pay your wage. They put you there. And if you're that angry about it, then go and die on your hill. Go and leave. You've got so much money. You're not a, a young manager. You might not never get a job. He'll be an Italian manager again. He'll get Juve's job. It's very weird. I think all of it. And I think why why is place... he saying
0: seventh, eighth, Kish? Why is he saying that when they're fourth now? Anyway,
1: because I mean, I think it, I mean that capitulation against Southampton was pretty special, even by Spurs standard. But you know, quite you know, I don't. I would be that annoyed if I, I Spurs fans are annoyed still. But you know, they they've got a top six squad, but you can't, you're not going to win anything with Eric Dyer in your team. You know, oh, you don't need me to tell you that. Like you know, it's ridiculous. But Romero is an absolute idiot. He Muckers. just can't control himself, can he? he just. But why can't he just be a normal defender? Like, why can't he just focus on defending, you know, without... He won the World Cup being good. He wasn't actually that bad. You know, I know it helped. He had a lot of good players around him. But, you know, Spurs haven't, again, got the best out of the players around him. The Richarlison thing's weird. You know, don't sign him for 50 million, then call him shit, then call each other. You know, it's ridiculous. Like, no one seems to be getting along there. But they're still in fourth. But they'll find a way to to upset themselves and yeah Arsenal will probably win the league like I said and they'll be really annoyed about it but that isn't the point is it what they need to do is start thinking about what they want going forward I don't know that Poch is the answer for them either so you know I think they I, I think they found the Spurs fans in general like if you if you met a rational one they'd probably be the, the ones that Miles were talking about that would want to win a trophy and you know but how you go about that don't drop Harry Kane against Sheffield United play your strongest team you had Ace Milan at home, on, you know, you didn't lay a glove on them. They didn't even break a sweat, you know. So you've had your opportunities to get yourself into position to at least give a shit. The funniest thing is that they're dying to get into a competition that they have no chance of winning. They keep getting into it and not trying it. It's so confusing. Let's finish fourth and then go out in the, the round of 16 every year. So baffling. I know they got to the final five years ago before anyone starts sending me hate mail, but you know that was that was ridiculous. Like you know, but but, actually in that in that scenario,
0: are they not like are they not cutting distinct parallels from when Arsenal moved into the Emirates under Wenger, where it was a case where qualifying for the Champions League was the most important thing to keep that stadium payments kind of going, and 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 it wasn't about doing well in the Champions League. If we did well in Champions League, fine, whatever. But you weren't building a squad. Arsenal weren't building a squad to win the Champions League. It was all about qualifying. And a Spurs not in that situation now where they reluctantly have to accept that they've built this magnificent stadium and the only way they can pay for it is by finishing in the top four. But actually the delta from trying to finish in the top four to win the league and win the Champions League. It's just too much for that period
1: yeah i remember I remember you all having problems obviously afterwards, but Spurs have spent money you know this this yeah. misnomer that someone seems to have been spreading out that they've been struggling they're paupers they spend an absolute ton of money in the last two seasons on some absolute poor poor players like po you know, i know poro's not been there very long, but like I said Emerson royale Poro, Romero, all these that's like a hundred there already yeah. you know that's you know that, I've never known Daniel levy to be so generous ever, so quite. Quite what you know. If he didn't want that, like the Spence thing is weird. You know, signing for fifteen million, he's played six minutes, and they've shipped him off to France. Didn't want him. Said he didn't want him. It's, all of it's weird. The body language. It's like you know, Conte's there in spirit, but he wants to sign all his players. But it's not going to work like that. Daniel Levy is never going to let you be king of the castle. But. They probably have teaming problems for the for the stadium going forward, but the stadium looks incredible and it'll be a legacy for them going forward. So I think Spurs fans, you know, if they're gonna take some positives out of this podcast, not that I don't know any Spurs fans listen to it, is that you've got a beautiful stadium. You've got the best striker or second best striker in the league. You know, you've got a record, you know, they've got things that they'll probably sell him and make some money and they'll be able to try and reinvest probably going forward. I mean, I hope Harry Kane leaves because it will, it really will make them a mid-table team again. But, um, yeah, I, I've just, I've, I, it's always confused me. I know the rivalry, you know, you guys know it better than me. It's your rivalry. But, they, you know, if, if they finish 19th, they'd just be happy if you finish 20th. It just makes no sense. Like, it just, just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's just get your own house in order. Like, I don't know that you, I know it's easy for you all because you're top of the league, but I don't know how devastated you are if you're like, you know, what Spurs doing, what Spurs doing. It's not ideal, but I, you, you've never struck me as people are always worried about what Spurs are doing. Like, just, I mean, like, it softens the blow
0: if they're doing worse than us, for sure. But like, you know, I, I think it's, it's a it's a really good point about the fact that they have spent lots of money. So that's a real difference from the fact that when we moved into a stadium and were like, you know, it was all net spend, net spend, net spend they've been spending your money. They're spending it really random things. I mean, Nikhil in the comments here, just talking about Dan Juma.
1: I mean, he's one of a list of kind where's, of, where's Yves Basuma? Does he play for Spurs? He does, doesn't yeah. he? Where's that guy? <laughs> like, completely, he's just, people just, he was like 30 million. He could have played for like Real Madrid, apparently. It's baffling. Like, Yeah. I mean,
0: Aaron, and what's your, what's your take? Like, is this, um, is this a case where, they've got to be really careful about how they manage Conte's situation because for all his flaws, he's a he's a sort of a serial winner. He's He got them in the top four last season. They're fourth now. Um, and what guarantee do they have of someone else coming in in an environment where you've got teams, not only who are already above them, but teams like Chelsea, like Newcastle, who have got shed loads of money, who are building, you know, have got big plans. You've got Liverpool, probably going to come back into the fold. It, are they... In, are, are they as in Tottenham, a Tottenham in precarious ground at the moment in terms of understanding what their key next steps are, their critical path, if you like to making sure that they don't just get left behind with a massive stadium debt. They can't really pay off. And, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a case of, all right, well, it's not even about top four anymore. It's about how we stop from getting ourselves into a serious financial black hole.
2: Yeah. I think the problem is they've got this notion of like, this is the the best first team ever. With like Kane, Son, Kulisevsky, and and everyone, and I think because especially with when they had Kane and Son like two, three years ago after they got rid of Poch, I think there was this belief that like they had to, had to, had to capitalize on this because this was it. Mm-hmm. So they went in and got like they've all they've just got short term managers who are win now managers, who they believe that they could like just get them something to make the most of this generation, and that hasn't happened, and now they. They they basically have to admit that they're gonna get worse before that in order to get better. They have to get worse to get better. And I don't know if Levy or the fans are able to accept that. They they basically it sounds a bit cliche that they kind of just need to do what we did with Arteta to say, look, like, look, we might be eighth for two seasons in a row, but this is a guy we're gonna let rebuild our squad. And you know, you look at they need to do basically what like I you look at a club like Brighton, for example. Sorry, Kish, but um, like they're um, they've got a plan and they're like incrementally improving season on season, right? And they possibly are going to be challenging for Europe this season. Um, like that's what Spurs need to do. They need to go back to a baseline and probably mid-table for a season and just rip. Like Kane will be Kane will be moved on. Son will be moved on. Like Richardson probably needs to be moved on. All that Deadwood that Kish just mentioned. Like, they need to move them on, and they need to work out, like, what is the plan? Are we going to go in on youth? Are we going to go in on, like, experience value scouting? Are we going to go in for, I don't know, experience pros? Are we going to do the whole British core thing? Like, there's loads of different ways of doing it, but they just need to figure out what way to do it, and they need to go and, like, commit. But I don't know if Levy's that patient. I don't know if Levy's that smart. And I don't know if their fans are going to be able to, like, tolerate that, especially... If it's, we're ahead of them in that sense,
1: it's really baffling. You're saying that though, because we were talking earlier, and you said they probably have what the fifth or sixth best team squad in the league. I think you said, like yeah, right fourth. now, yeah, yeah, but they're fourth, and the players they've bought, they are they they're overachieving in theory. All the players are working out because they're fourth. Oh, I, like, I, I It's really baffling that they they no one on this call thinks they can finish in the top three or at the start of the season. That was a top three team. So they're exactly they're overachieving with a manager who's overachieving, and then now I, I mean this idea that they have to get rid of them. I think they've got they've got good players. I think that it's just that where else are they going to go? They can't finish in the top three. They're doing the best that they can. So again, it goes back to your initial point. I, I have no idea what Spurs fans really want from this team, but I think they're only ever going to be able to finish fourth, and they're overachieving anyway. So I don't even know they have to get rid of that much dead weight. I just think they like have to accept that there's a barrier now that they just can't break and you know how do you break it spend three or four hundred million maybe they're, no, they're never going to do that so um it's just, it's just a strange concept but I think your point was right initially that they're going to move all these people on and go down the strategy Levy's not up for that he's not you know he, he want he's he can't be that far off you know thinking about his next moves and his legacy and you know he's going to want to not leave it with them being a mid-table team so I don't know what you all think about where you thought Spurs were going to finish at the start of the season, but I assume you all finished, you thought they you'd finish above them. So, in theory, what you thought you'd maybe finished third and then they finished fourth. So, you know, they're, they're you know, again, well, go on, buddy. But I,
0: I think this is what annoys Tottenham fans, right? Because what I was going to say to to answer your question is before the transfer window started in the summer, um, you know, I was, I was worried about Tottenham and I was worried the fact that, you know, they finished in the top four. We didn't. They can attract Champions League level players. We mm-hmm. couldn't. Um, so I was worried about what they do. I, I was less worried after the window when, you know, I felt that we had a better window. I felt that we signed players like Jesus and Zinchenko and they were massively better, I felt, than than what Spurs had done. And I guess that would annoy Spurs. But, uh, you know, for, Spurs fans would probably look back at the window and wonder, why they didn't navigate it better given, yes, they spent money, but why couldn't they have got players who who may well have taken them to the next level? And why was it that Arsenal were able to get those players when Arsenal weren't a Champions League side? And maybe that's their angst when it comes down to it. Yes, what do they expect? It's a really good question. But maybe what they kind of are getting a bit frustrated about is the fact that, you know, you've got, you've like you said, you've spent money. So the money has been there. Right. Like, you know, it, that, that, that's, you can't argue with that. And so why did they spend it in that way? Why couldn't they have spent it better? I mean, on, on
3: paper, mate, like Richardson on paper is a signing that probably makes quite a bit of sense. I know that he's not like we said it before in the pub, right. He's probably not a 60 odd million pound player, whatever they paid for him. But, you know, he's Premier League proven. He does get goals and assists. You know, he's he's a player that you, you know, Ev- he's probably Everton's best player for the last couple of seasons. So that kind of made sense. Basuma made a lot of sense. Like when they signed Basuma, I think that was quite early on in the window. Arsenal were linked with him for, you know, the last couple of windows before that. And there was a lot of, there were a lot of Arsenal fans that were like, why have we not gone in for him? This is before we signed everyone that we signed. So, you know, I can't remember who else they signed last summer, but there's, they've made a lot of signings that on paper should have worked out, but they just for, like Kulosevsky, for example, has been very good up until probably the last kind of like period, like I don't know, last few months, I think he came out from injury, not really quite been the same, but when he came into the team, he was, he looked like, you know, one of the best attacking players in the league at one point. So I don't know, I feel like, I mean, if you look at, kind of just from the top down, and especially when you look at like the stuff that Conte's coming out with and the way that he's kind of leading the team, and you compare that to Arsenal, Arsenal's structure, Arsenal's plan, Arsenal's kind of philosophy, everything. You know, it's like Aaron and said, they kind of started from scratch, you know, ripped it all up, started from scratch. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what Spurs have to do, but if you kind of look at how sp- how you know the kind of the guy at the forefront you know the face of the club uh, you know antonio conte how he's operating it, i think it, i think it must be quite difficult in terms of like expecting like performances and expecting you know progression because ultimately i i think even if they've got the players like on paper and they've got you know they do have some really good high, you know really good players is it really ever going to work under a manager like that you know um you know he doesn't play particularly attractive football and ultimately therefore the way that he sets up you need to have a solid kind of back five or you need to have your defense locked down and then you build from that they don't really have that they don't really have that like kish was saying romero is just like all over the place such a random erratic defender like they don't really like eric dyer he's not a particularly great defender excuse me so i don't know i just feel like there's so many things to fix there um but the annoying thing is they could potentially could still finish top 4 and still be in the champions league next season and then build on that and you know who knows but they're never going to they're, they're never going to become they're never going to challenge city for the league i i can't see it anytime soon can't see them ever taking that leap up to you know where they where they where they should you know if you if you're finishing top 4 consistently that's the next step right it's like becoming a becoming a title challenger i just can't see them ever doing that
1: they couldn't. They shouldn't be annoyed. Or compare it. Compare it in an Arsenal sense that you stuck with a manager who had a personal relationship. You know, in the in the Man City contest. you signed two very good players from Man City. But that's because Arteta. You know, he ha- he was able to pull that off. I'm sure he didn't just say I. Oh, Go and buy them. I'm sure that you know that helps, and I think Conte probably has people like that he could have gone to in it. Well, it work, but, and
0: uh, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So you know, <laughs> you, know you know, so you sign players that were in your grasp, I don't know that it was you know that because you stuck with a manager, you gave him you know you enabled him to do that. I think he doesn't feel enabled to get what he needs to get out of you know certain players or the squad. You know, and again, it seems like levy's is making more the signings than um than he is and that's probably adding to the frustration but i think you know like like i was saying like you've all said that they they themselves have to you know what 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 is the point of finishing fourth to keep going out on the same stage every year like, is is it for the money then because if it is then contest isn't the right man for that they, they should get poch poch is a yes man you know he it will happily toe the party line on more things than not you know so it's um so it's yeah
0: and, and, you know, allegedly potch has moved back into the North London area. So who knows? Maybe it is on the cards. But anyway, guys, I think we're probably going to have to wrap it up there. We've, you know, this has been the Tottenham topic. has probably been the topic that we talked about the most on this episode. I mean, um, it's something that we can all unite on, right? Arsenal, Palace fans, everything It's all very, very interesting. Um, I hope any Tottenham fans that did listen um, enjoyed. I mean, Kish, you know, <laughs> your, your, your kind of point about Tottenham fans who listen to the pod. Our most watched episode ever is the one where, tottenham battered us at whitehall lane aaron,
3: aaron oh, and can't tottenham. go to uh he can't go to tottenham anymore can he he can't go to yeah, Tottenham. It, away. like
0: literally our most watched episode is that <laughs> and all the comments are just full of tottenham fans just abusing us basically um so for some reason they wanted to give an hour of their time to watch an arsenal podcast but anyway okay
1: um well, as well as i mentioned earlier power you wait about six or seven games you can start giving them a lot of stuff back you know? <laughs> there'll be a trophy to show off <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, Kish, like, thanks, man. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you on and have the other perspective from the other side of the stadium today. Um, as always, uh, you've really helped educate us on everything that's going on at Palace. And um, yeah, it's been really interesting to hear you also reflect on what you think about Arsenal. Um, and obviously, you know, this chat about Tottenham at the end has been fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed it on the show and hope you'll be back again soon.
1: Oh, it's brilliant. I love. I mean, said as start, you've done a great job to get to one hundred, and it's been brilliant to be on here. And I think you yeah, get strength to strength to you guys, more power to you guys. You know, it's a great pod, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's it's actually really refreshing. You know, everyone's very honest and open about things on here, and you know, I don't think it's tribal. That's the be- beauty of this pod. I don't think we're here to bash Tottenham. It's just a beautiful coincidence. So yeah, like uh, thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: objective bashing i love it guys like thank you very much um also and also thanks in the comments loads of comments today um you know nikil thank you mate thank you for the comments like shani nav aravind um digi um yeah i know i'm sorry this is not good for china time but i hope you get to listen to the pod tomorrow um listen everyone Thank you very, very much. Have a good night. We are eight points clear at the top of the table. Uh, Got leads after the international break, but we go into a little period now where we can just enjoy being top with a little bit of a buffer. um, And let's then head into the last 10 games, which is going to be fucking, you know, squeaky bum time, isn't it? But, um, and I suppose for Palace as well. (laughs) So (laughs) for different reasons. Um, All right, guys. Thank you very much. Good night, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks.